Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 18th, 2017, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We have two Starseed Quests to Arkansas coming up. The first one is in August, the 18th to the 21st, for the Harmonic Convergence, and there will be a total solar eclipse as well as a new moon for that one. We have only two spots left for August, but you can still get in. The second one is for Pleiadian Lineup, November 17 through 20, and there will be another new moon for that one as well. Our Starseed quests seem to be escalating to a new, higher level each time, and it's wonderful to have so many returning. More than half of our last group were alumni. This is a soul family reunion, and only Starseeds with at least one natal marking at galactic degree are eligible, and galactic degree is 25, 26, or 27. This event has been redesigned to cover four days, making it much more affordable than the week-long quests were. For more info, please write to crystals, that's plural, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S, at starseedhotline.com. Our very special guest this evening is Jean M. Walker, and she's had a lifelong history of high strangeness and paranormal phenomenon, so much so that she's written a book called Family Secrets. Jean, who's a retired science teacher and UFO investigator, has now bravely come forward to share her strange, often frightening, sometimes delightful, yet unexplainable encounters, which include everything from aliens and UFOs to portals, fairies, Bigfoot, and unexplained creatures. The strange phenomena followed Jean and her brother and her husbands from house to house and from her hometown of Independence, Missouri, to vacation spots in other states. Paranormal investigators have found much evidence when they are in proximity to Jean, no matter where she goes, because everywhere she goes, the unexplained world seems to follow. Jean decided to put her experiences in writing to share the events with the public and others who have may have had similar experiences. She did this so that other people would realize that they've not lost their mind and that these experiences are real. You can find her spellbinding book on Amazon, Family Secrets is the title, and check out her website, jeanmwalker.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Tammy and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for anyone who has a comment or question for our guest. Check out our online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds, thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. If you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice so you know what's coming up. The toll-free number for Starseed Hotline is 888 888- 881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. 
For those who need healing of any kind, emotional, physical, spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference. If you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by just requesting your solar return timing. And keep in mind, if you want a stage two interpretation of those charts, you need to order at least two or three months ahead of time because we do have a waiting list. So um, first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia and her ever-popular Starseed News. Hey, Anastasia. Hello. I can't hear you, Anastasia. Is your oh, mute Ariel, button on? Can you hear me? Hello. I can hear you now. Hi. Good I can hear you now. Well, good. Great. It's good to be with you. Sorry, the mute switch was slow. Anyway, I'm here. <laughs> good. It's a beautiful evening. <laughs> so we'll talk about the news right now. So we have some subsiding uh, storms on the sun. The big geomagnetic storm of July 16th to the 17th is finished. Um, they say Earth is exiting the wake of the instigating CME, and as a result, geomagnetic activity should remain below G1 storm levels today and in the upcoming days ahead, so far as they know. Well, we've had a couple of uh, earthquakes uh, since we last uh, had was on the air. Shallow uh, magnitude 6.0 earthquake hit in Russia. It was uh, near the Commander Islands. Uh, no reports of injuries or damage on that. And Peru was struck by a 6.6 earthquake. That was today. It hit in the southern part of, of Peru uh, this afternoon sometime. Uh, so there are no reports on that about damages or victims, but they did issue a tsunami alert. Or, excuse me, they did not issue a tsunami alert. I beg your pardon. 6.6, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but they didn't. Okay. Well, they have found something amazing in Russia's far north. They have discovered a perfectly preserved mummy of an adult bound in copper plates from head to toe. And they dug that up in Russia's far north. And alongside this mummy was the mummy of a very tiny, tiny baby, probably a newborn. They say the discoveries are going to shed a unique light on medieval burial and medical practices. Well, when they use the word medieval, we assume that these are not from ancient days, but perhaps the Middle Ages. They say the remains were found near an archaeological site that was discovered way back in 1997, and this site has since been the source of dozens of rare finds. According to the uh, man who led the investigation, he said this year's field season has been highly successful. They've opened ten graves, five of which were never looted in ancient times, and they're very excited about what they found as uh, uh, keys to you know, learning about history and, and the people that they're uncovering. Well, it has been very cold in Australia. In fact, the coldest temperatures in years. They say that Australia may have recorded its coldest temperature as a series of cold fronts has barreled across the, sun the country's southeast uh, this last Sunday. They say uh, Victoria had a freezing start to the day. It dropped to 12 below centigrade in the mountains. They say that they have had to uh, de-ice planes in, in Melbourne, a task usually only needed in higher uh, elevations in the country. So they're in winter, by the way, in Australia, uh, as if you didn't know that already. But they say this is one of the coldest years on record. 
Well, in Tennessee, Memphis residents are generally claimed to be proud of their water. Uh, they, they're about as proud of, they, of their water as they are of their barbecue and their blues. And the water is drawn from the Memphis Sand Aquifer beneath uh, Memphis. And uh, uh, they're having real concerns now. Alarms have gone off because state environmental officials in the Tennessee Valley Authority revealed this week that high levels of arsenic and lead have been found in the groundwater beneath the Allen Fossil Plant in southwest Memphis. Now, the toxins were detected in wells where pollution is monitored from the ponds that hold coal ash. And they say that's a byproduct left from burning coal that generates electricity. One well had arsenic levels at more than 300 times the federal drinking water standard. Now, the monitoring wells run about 50 feet deep. They're maybe a half a mile from uh, other wells that have been drilled in the past, uh, and apparently they got good readings on those wells. And so they say that they're very, very worried because uh, this water that everybody is so proud of and that they depend upon now is showing signs of uh, this kind of serious contamination. So we hope certainly that they get that sorted out. That's, That's very concerning. We all need clean water well coming soon facial recognition software for police body cameras and they say that even if the policeman who pulls you over doesn't recognize you the camera on his chest just might because device maker Motorola announced yesterday that it would partner with artificial intelligence software startup Neurala to build real-time learning for a person of interest search on Motorola products such as the SI500 body camera for police. And the uh, artificial intelligence firm announced this in a press release yesterday. Now, a man uh, who's an Italian-born neuroscientist uh, named Versace is the creator of the patent-pending image recognition and machine learning technology. It's similar to other machines' learning methods, but far more scalable, so a device carried by that policeman on his shoulder can learn to recognize shapes and faces as quickly and reliably as a much larger and more powerful computer. How does it work? Interesting. It works by mimicking the mammalian brain rather than the way that computers have traditionally worked. Mimicking a mammal's brain. Wow. That's creepy. And <laughs> it just shows to go just goes to show how far technology is coming in a way that it makes me shudder and I think probably does a lot of people. Well, macaroni and cheese, goodness sakes, it's been around forever. And you watch these advertisements about children eating up this boxed macaroni and cheese and loving it. Well, if you love boxed mac and cheese, mm, be prepared. According (laughs) to a recent test conducted in a lab in Belgium, if you're eating the powdered cheese that comes in the box, you're probably also eating a group of chemicals called flalates. And these chemicals are used to soften plastics. The Coalition for Safer Food Processing and Packaging bought 30 different cheese products from store shelves in the United States, 10 different kinds of mac and cheese with cheese powder, 
five different types of processed cheese slices and 15 varieties of natural cheese. Then they shipped this package to the Flemish Institute for Technological Research. Hmm, probably the only place I thought they might get an unbiased uh, opinion, perhaps. Anyway, the problem is the Institute did not list the brand names of the products that they studied. Well, I think that's too bad. But anyway, <laughs> nevertheless, they tested each sample and found significant levels of flavates, I can't sort of say, flalates in all but one of the products, in all but one of the products. On average, this chemical level in the powdered cheeses were found to be twice that found in sliced cheeses and four times found in natural cheese. Now, unlike European Union and countries like Japan and Argentina that have banned flalates entirely, United States restrictions on the use of this chemical are limited. As such, these chemicals are in plastic materials like tubes and pipes that are used to process this powdered cheese and are found again in the product's packaging. The flalates simply leach into the food that we're eating. Well, here's a wonderful story. It's our last story for tonight. It's, uh, once again, about rescuing from drowning. A golden retriever saved somebody, not somebody. Well, yes, I think it was someone. I count this as a someone. A golden retriever leaped into the waters off Long Island during a morning walk over the weekend and, after a rigorous swim, returned with a drowning fawn in its mouth. Not a person, a fawn, a baby deer. Oh, my gosh. The owner said he'd been walking along, uh, walking Storm, Storm is the dog's name, along the sand at PJ Harbor after 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday when the dog jumped into the water and started swimming after something. Well, the man captured the video of his pup swimming back to the shore, holding something very relatively large in its mouth, and once Storm, the dog, got close enough to stand up, the owner could see that that something was a baby deer, a fawn. The video also goes on to show this dog, Storm, tossed the deer onto the stand. Now the deer is moving, trying to stand up, and the dog grabs it in its mouth and bounds up onto the shore. So the dog saved the fawn. Didn't attack it, didn't hurt it. Isn't that something? Brought it in from the, the water, uh, I just think that's a beautiful story. Is that amazing? That's awesome. I love that. I just love that. Is that beautiful? Uh, uh, these are things that we can just hold in our hearts and hold close. How beautiful. The intelligence of the animals and the plants and all of the earth creatures. Hey, everybody, guess what happened to me this week? I found a ladybug in my garden. I haven't seen a ladybug in decades. Any of you seen ladybugs recently? I would We're really seeing them more down know. here. Do you really? Yes. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Uh, not a whole lot, but I, I have seen them more often probably than you. Well, but I live when I was south. young. They were very, very prevalent, and in the 1990s they began to uh, dissipate. And I have read articles that say they are an endangered insect, and uh, so I haven't seen one for so many years. But I was excited and happy. I took a video of this little ladybug and some <laughs> photographs. My goodness, I wanted to celebrate, you know, 
victory to life that I had discovered this ladybug and also a wonderful frog paid a visit in my garden a little baby frog and so anyway the consciousness and intelligence and love and radiation of energy and beauty and perfection in these things just uh, warm my heart and so from that warmth the warmth from my heart which I gather from my garden and from spirit I want to give to each one of you asking that you be strong and shine on this coming week and uh, much love to each and every one of you and we will be again together next time on Starseed News. So thank you, Ariel. Oh, thank you so much. Wonderful stories tonight. And uh, we so appreciate your efforts with that. So um, thank you, Anastasia. We're now going to go on to um, Lavendar and our guest. So let me just get your mics open first here. Sometimes it takes a few seconds to catch on there. All right. Lavendar, your mic is open, and Jean, welcome, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I know Lavendar's looking forward to this. So, Lavendar, are you ready to okay. go? I'm here. Okay, so, take Jean, it away. Yes, so, hi, Jean, I've been reading on your book. I'm at page 144, and I'm pretty cool. excited about some of the information that you've been able to uh, to write in this wonderful book, and it's called Family Secrets. So welcome, my dear, and let's start with when you were a, a little tiny baby growing up in your household with those wonderful grandmothers. Tell us a little bit about your earlier years. <laughs> okay. Um, I was born in Independence, Missouri, and, well, actually in Kansas City, but my parents were living with my maternal grandparents, and um, so I started off living there. Um I felt that a lot, well, first of all, my book is about UFO abductions and a lot of paranormal occurrences that happened to me and my family. And that was why I decided to write this book. I have noticed that a lot of these types of um, psychic and paranormal and extraterrestrial type contacts seems to run in families. So... I really wonder why. I mean, I don't have an answer, but it was something I wanted to explore in my book. Is it something hereditary? Is it something in our bloodlines like DNA? Or, you know, why is it that when a family has one thing in their life, such as ETs, they also have a lot of paranormal? So um, my my great-grandmother, Nettie, um, she was a well-known psychic in the Kansas City area back in the 50s. And she um, had been interviewed on radio stations, and she also um, uh, been written up in the paper. But her name was Nettie, and Nettie really felt that the gift that she had was to, to be used to help other people. And she would say, Christ portrays the truth through me. Um, In my book, I talk about my dad growing up with her. Uh, That was his grandmother. Uh, Nettie was widowed, and her daughter, she had one daughter, Nellie, and Nellie was widowed. So they lived together and raised my father, who was an only child, too. And... Uh, my dad growing up with Nettie and all the things that she did 
they told me that she was all her life called Crazy Nettie. Because she had this gift, people thought she was crazy. So it was kind of a stigma that she had to live with. I remember her very well. She died when I was nine years old. But because she was so different, I think is part of the reason why I remember her so well. And then my grandmother, Nellie, her daughter, kept her so alive in my eyes for the rest of my life. So I felt like I knew her very well. Um, Everything started for me in the first year of my life. And we were living with my maternal grandparents. Uh, The first memory I have in life, period, was when I was laying in my crib and I saw the most frightening face I had ever seen. It was a whitish face with big black eyes and it had no hair and it was leaning over my crib and it was just staring at me. I was terrified and I started screaming like crazy and I still remember that. I don't remember anything else at that age. I probably was about one year old. I feel that that's, they started right then. They knew that I was going to be an abductee and they were going to take me. Uh, at, when I was growing up, I kept thinking about that face and I kept wondering what was it I saw. And I thought, and I didn't know anything about aliens. And I thought maybe it was a scary clown. That was all I could think of when I was young. But as I've gotten older and learned so many things, I know now that it was definitely an alien, and it was just staring at me. Um, We lived with my maternal grandparents till I was two and a half, and I have one sibling, a brother. Uh, He um, was six months old. He was younger than me. And uh, my dad bought some an acre of ground uh, in Independence. It was 39th and Chrysler area. I don't know if anybody knows where that is. But we were right on the Santa Fe Trail, right where the old Santa Fe Trail had gone through Independence. This property was very haunted, and I think the Santa Fe Trail had something to do with that. Um, Both of these places, my grandparents' place in Independence and my house up on on the, I call it the Chrysler House, um, were both things happened to me there in my lifetime. Um, Strange thing is where I live now is called Raytown, and I'm in a suburb. I'm just right next to Independence and Kansas City. So... uh, About three blocks from where I live now was the Santa Fe Trail. And I've lived in this house for 51 years. So I have spent all my life either right on or very, very close to the Santa Fe Trail. I don't know. Somehow I think that that's involved in some of the things, especially at the Chrysler House. Um, my brother Teddy and I both suffered through a, a lot of paranormal stuff at the Chrysler House. Um, in my book, I talk about all the terrors that we've experienced as children. And um, we had many visions and monsters and haunts. 
um, one of the things I remember so vividly, I was probably about four years old, and I was still sleeping in a crib. We were poor. (laughs) But uh, my dad had built this basement at the time, and that's where we moved to on this acre of ground. And when I was in my crib, I was, like I said, about four years old. I could see this little creature under my bed, and I named him Bosco. I have no idea why I named him that, but Bosco, I don't know how to explain how he looked. Kind of like a dog, but not really. He had big ears that would kind of remind me of like Mickey Mouse. He was black and white. Um, I knew he was very evil. I knew he was a very bad thing. I told my mom about him. And um, we all slept in the same bedroom. We only had one bedroom. My parents had a bed. My brother and I each had cribs in this one bedroom. And uh, I told Mom about this creature, Bosco. And she said, oh, you know, it's just your imagination. She says, stick your hand out some night. I said, oh, I can't. He'll, he'll get me. I said, I have to. So I would sleep in a ball so that nothing would extend out of my crib and she says no she says there's nothing there when you do that you're going to know that it was all okay so one night I got up my nerve and I creeped my little hand out the crib and stuck it straight out and Bosco bit me not real bad but it was a definite bite and I was screaming I was so mad at my mother because I felt like she lied to me. I said, it did, it bit me, it bit me. And I was just terrified of this thing under my bed. Anyway, that lasted for probably about a year or so, maybe two years. My poor brother, though, he he saw devils. Now that I realize what happened to us, I wonder, were those really devils or were they aliens? He said these devils would swoop down at him all the time. He he suffered terrible night terrors over these devils. And um, even when he'd scream and Mom would put him in bed with her and Dad, he still would see him. He had to cover his head. Um, I remember my dad built the upstairs, and we moved upstairs, and my brother still saw these devils. And we did not have air conditioning, but we each had our own rooms then. And my mother would go in there, and my brother would have the covers clear over his head in the middle of summer, just sweating like crazy because he said the devils were after him. He, uh, When we were living in the basement, though, my brother said he also could see a bunch of men, and they were running in circles and chanting, but they were um, in in a counterclockwise run. And I think perhaps that since we lived right on the Santa Fe Trail, that perhaps that could have been Native Americans. And that's why he couldn't make out what they were saying, because it was more of a chant. He said they were singing, talking, or something. He could not understand them. Um, Our neighbor bought property right next door to us, and when he was digging out his basement, he found a tombstone of a 
little girl that had died on the Santa Fe Trail, and they had buried her there. So I know we were right on it. Um, We had visions, my brother and I, and I didn't realize until, oh, probably about eight years ago, I was talking to my brother about it, and he said he saw the same thing. Uh, It was like mom would make us lay down in the afternoons to take a nap. And on the bedroom wall, I could see these two prisoners. They had on striped uniforms. They sat upon a, a, a bed, looked like it was all springs, hardly any mattress to it. And they would be talking to each other, like one would be standing, and they'd move around, and, and sometimes the one that was standing would sit down. They would be smoking cigarettes. My brother said he's seen him too. And so I think it might have been a residual effect of, of something that, because it just played over and over like a movie. But my brother said, and this is strange, that one day one of the guys waved at him as if he could see him staring at him. So I'm still not for sure quite what that was, but that was a very haunted place. And I grew up in that house until I moved to the house I'm in now. So let me ask you about your brother now. How is it with him now? Uh, He still has some things happen to him, not near as many as I do, though. And um, he lives not too far from me. But we talk a lot. He was able to help me remember a lot of things that, you know, in talking to him that I had forgotten. And so I would just make notes all the time of of everything so that I could sit down and put it together in a book. But, uh, yeah, he still sees things like orbs in his house. And one night he let his dog out in this large blue. He said it looked, it was like 2 or 3 in the morning. And he said over his house came this, about the size of a beach ball, and he said it was just a hyper blue color, and it was lit up, and he said it came over, stopped a little bit over his patio area, and then just floated on over the houses till he couldn't see it anymore. Wow. So I still, I mean, I have no idea what he saw. Um, perhaps. It could have even been our government, you know, with um, something where they're watching us or testing things, or it could have made the ETs were watching him, because I think it's kind of strange that it happened to go over right when he was outside with the dog. And um, in in Chapter 4, I tell about um, a couple experiences that I had with fairies. Oh, yeah, tell us about that. I read about that. Tell us about the fairies. Our audience will love to hear that story. Okay. Um, um, When I was very young, I I was trying to think how old I was, probably seven or eight. Uh, I'd say eight at least. And I can remember the day so well. It was a beautiful summer day. We was. This was kind of country where I lived. It, it isn't now. You'd never know what it was like when I grew up there. But there were, it was butterflies. I mean, hordes of butterflies, beautiful, beautiful butterflies. I've never 
seen since then that many butterflies in one time in my life. And I was just in awe of them. I've always loved nature, and I think that's why I became a science teacher because I always wanted to know what was behind nature, a lot of the things like what makes a cloud and stuff like that. But this beautiful day with these butterflies, and I sat down on the ground, and I was just sitting there watching them all, and they were landing around and flying and tremendous amount of them. And all of a sudden, I started seeing these little creatures. And for some reason, I wasn't afraid, uh, maybe because they were small. And they were playing, and they started coming out uh, from under the grass and the flowers and the things, because where I was seated, there was a lot of stuff around me. And um, as I recall, they had on little bright clothes. They... They played with me. I played with them sitting there on the ground and watching all the butterflies. It was a very strange day, and it was just beautiful. Um, I, I remember thinking how unusual this was and that they trusted me enough to come out and let me play with them. And I really, even at such a young age, realized that it was a very special time. In my book, I put a picture of uh, what I think is a fairy that I took on a case I was working, a MUFON case. Um, And um, it's a pretty good picture. You can see her little legs, her head, her wings. And I think, again, they came out for me to see. I had a strange thing that's not in my book. Um, a year ago, I made a little, around a tree I have in the backyard, I made a little fairy garden. And I've even got a little sign up there It says, fairies live here, and it's got some little fairies on it. And uh, it's just real cute with all the little fairies. And um, I had to go in the hospital last September and have a pacemaker put in. And I had a lot of problems. But anyway, while I was in there, my boyfriend called me at the hospital, and he said, I'm going to send you a picture. There is the strangest thing in your yard. And it was a bunch of toadstools, and they were all in a perfect circle. And I looked at it, and I said, I, I called him. I said, that's a fairy ring. But isn't it strange All the years I've lived here, I've never had a fairy ring. And the very year I put in a fairy garden, I get a fairy ring in my yard. Of course. Huh? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. And I don't believe in coincidence. I mean, I think everything happens for a reason. A lot of people say, oh, that was just a coincidence. No, I don't think it was. No. The The minute you put it there, you gave permission for the next step to happen. I think you're right. I think you are correct because, uh, but that wasn't in my book, but it was just the story about the fairies. And another time when I was a child, I was running through uh, a yard where they property had not been sold yet. It was all grown up with um, uh, trees and stuff. And I was almost through it, and there was a stump. And... 
I happened to look at it as I've, I had a little path where I'd go through to play with the other neighbor kids, and I looked up, and on that stump, it really looked like a gnome, but it was it was very small, and it was just sitting there, or standing there, I guess it was, looking at me. And I looked at it, and I thought, wow, but I didn't have the same feeling that I'd had with the fairies. So I just ran right on through and ran home. So that's, those are my fairy stories. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, I also know that you had some experiences with some owls. Would you give us a couple of owl stories? I really enjoyed reading about the owl stories in this book. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I got married, and um, my husband and I uh, went to Colorado. He had a Jeep, and we were going to... Um, go on some trails with the Jeep, and uh, this was um, in Eureka, uh, Colorado. So we got a room that night, and I was very, the minute I walked in that room, I knew something wasn't right, and I kept thinking there was something in this corner that was staring at me. So I... I told my husband, I said, I don't feel comfortable in this room. There is something really strange about this room. So we spent the night, nothing happened, got up the next morning, went on these trail rides. We would come, when I say trails, I've got pictures of it in my book. We, these little dirt trails and with cliffs just straight down, rocks all over. And sometimes I remember one place I started yelling at him to let me out of the Jeep because I didn't want to go around that curve because there was huge boulders that had fallen down, and you had to go way over to the very edge of the road to get around. So I said, I, I'm not going. I'm going to walk. So he got out of the Jeep with me, and we got out, and we looked at the trail, and we was trying to figure out was it safe to go on around. I started hearing owls, and there weren't a lot of trees around, mostly just kind of shrubs and rocks. And I said, that's really weird. Do you hear that owl? And he goes, yeah, I do. So he gets back in the Jeep, and he made it through there, and then I walked over to it and got in. But this happened about, it was either three or four times that we got out of the Jeep every time we got out, we would hear these owls. So that night, uh, we go to bed. Uh, we went back to the same hotel room, and um, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. The only thing I could move were my eyes. I kept thinking, wake up, wake up, my husband, you know, wake up, wake up. And all I could see were these flashing lights going around and around and around, red, white, and blue, around and around the room. And I was paralyzed and couldn't move at all. I finally fell back to sleep, and the next morning everything was fine. We left the room. Well, owls are very much associated as a memory screen for aliens. And 
when you see an owl's face, you can see why, because of the eyes and the way their face is shaped. So that was one of the owl stories I had. One of the cases that I have been working for MUFON, we had, um, there were four of us investigators out there. It was a, a good-sized piece of property, and the lady that had called us was out there. And um, I'd been out there many times because this woman has all kinds of stuff happening out there. And they, I was walking around with my camera taking pictures, and they yelled for me because I had the camera. And I walked to the back where they were standing. It was three other investigators and the lady. And they said, look, look. And it was a huge uh, owl up in the tree. I mean, big owl. It was very large. And um, so we, um, I took pictures of it. And then I walked about 10 feet, took my camera, took more pictures of it. And then I walked about another 10 feet towards it, took some more photos, and then it flew off. Oh, and it was big. Um, two days later, one of the investigators called me and said, Jean, have you downloaded your photos from the other night with the owl? And I said, uh, no, I haven't, but let me do it right now and I'll call you back. I downloaded my photos. There was no owl. I took I don't know how many pictures. The owl didn't show up in any of them. The trees were there where we saw him. No owl. On this property, we've seen ETs. She has seen I don't know how many saucer-shaped and other-shaped UFOs. All kinds of things have happened on this property. So, again, I think that owl is a screen for an alien. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, I've noticed that. Jean, have you noticed uh, the dreams sometimes that you come back with or screen dreams? Um, I'm not sure if I follow you on that. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is sometimes they'll take you up and uh, and do things aboard the ship and then they'll give you a dream so that you can't remember what just happened. Yes, yes. They they have wiped almost everything out of my mind. Um, well, I was going to go back to when I was living on the Chrysler house and I was probably around 12, 10. From 10 to 12, there was a spaceman and he followed me everywhere, and I called him the spaceman because he was in a silver suit. And I saw him all the time, and I knew even when he wasn't following me that he had um, he was watching the house. And I talk about the pond and what happened in the pond. Um, my brother told me one day, he said, you know, sis, we were all out playing tag one night. And he said, and you were, you know, we were all running around. He says, you came up and grabbed me and said, Ted, Ted, didn't you see the spaceman? He's chasing me out here. Don't you see him? But my brother never saw him. So I was so scared, and I kept telling my parents that they were something was going to take me. I, I didn't know about aliens then, 
But I kept telling my parents they're going to take me. They're going to take me. I was terrified. And um, I remember one time my dad saying, maybe we should put iron bars on Jeannie's windows. Maybe that make her feel safer. I had two windows in my bedroom. And um, it wouldn't have helped, you know, because now I know what they were doing. Um, Chapter 7 is probably the most emotional part for me. Um, Is this about your babies? Yeah. It's still hard for me to talk about, and a lot of this was it was easier for me to write it than talk about it. Um, I had a series of miscarriages, and they were not normal miscarriages. And in the book, I give all the details, and when you read it, you realize that these babies were taken from me, and always within the first three to four months. Um, A lot of years, I'd say seven or eight years after the last miscarriage I had, um, I had a dream, but it wasn't just a dream. It was so real, and I never forgot it. I was sitting on a, I was in a room, it was all chrome. It had windows going all the way around it. There was a big piece of machinery to my right. That was it. Everything was stainless steel, very sterile looking. And there was a set of elevator doors to my left as I sat on this bench. And um, the doors opened. Out walked a man. Let's say he's probably about 5'10", or six foot, somewhere in there, and he has a little boy with him. And the man, I'm sure, was Norik because he had blonde hair, blue eyes. They had on him and the child, and the child was very small-featured. He looked like me. And... um, they had on these white robes with gold ropes tied around them. The man walked the little boy up to me as I sat there on this bench, and I put my arms around him, and I held him, and I knew the mother that was my child. And then after a, a long hug, he stepped back, and the man tapped him on the shoulder, and they walked back on the elevator and left. I don't remember how I got there, and I don't remember how I got home. But I knew that was my child. And it would have been right in the uh, time period for the child to have been that age. So they did let me see one child. Did Uh, did your brother ever talk about... Anything where, where maybe they had taken some semen from him and, and yes. that he might have some um, hybrid children? Yes. Um, when he was in his 20s, probably late 20s, he was dating, living with his, who's now been his wife all his life. And um, my mother called him. My mom lived six blocks from me. She, her and my father got a divorce, and she moved, bought a house six blocks from me. And 
so she called my brother Ted, and she says, Ted, there's something going on here. She said she had these um, motion detector lights, floodlights in the back of her house. She said the floodlights keep coming on back there, and the dogs are all barking like crazy. And she says this happens three or four times a night. She says, I don't know what's going on, but she says, I'm getting scared. She says, will you come over and spend the night with me? He said, sure, Mom, I'll come over. So uh, she had a little house. It was two bedrooms and one little bath. And so um, he was in the other bedroom, and he said next morning nothing happened that night. The lights didn't come on with him there. But the next morning he heard my mother leave for work, and she always left really early, like before 5, about 5 in the morning. So he said, he went back to sleep. Next thing he knew, he was laying there in bed, and he was paralyzed. He couldn't do anything. And a gray alien came in, put this tube over his penis, then took it, and he said he watched the gray alien walk out the door and in, like, towards the other bedroom. So... Yeah, they they took sperm from him. What does he feel about this? Do you talk to him about this? Yes, he's just very matter of fact about it. I mean, he he didn't have the fear I had. Like this case that I keep talking about that was so ongoing. The lady, she talks about the aliens like they're her friends, like she really liked them. Uh, she talks to them. I didn't have that feeling. I had a fear, a terrible fear of them. And I was scared all the time because I knew they were watching me and something was taking me somewhere. And I couldn't figure it all out. I had all these pieces, like to a puzzle. And I was having a very difficult time. It took me years and years before I got it put together, what was happening to me. But my brother never had that fear, except from the devils. He was, and he still talks about that. And I think it could be like a scream like the owls were. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he knew what a devil looked like. So he would um, hide from them. And I think he had the he had the fear, too, when he was a child, and um, I think that it wasn't devils. I think it was aliens, and because he knew what devils were and that they were bad, he had that bad feeling like I had all the time. So um, did he ever have any earth children? Did he have any children that stayed here? Yes, he has, he has a son. I have one nephew. And so how old is he now? He's thirty. Five has four or three beautiful children. Yes. So does he have? Have they been coming to pick him up and his kids? I don't think so. He's real funny about talking about some of this stuff with me. He has told me a few things that happened to him, and he asked me not to put it in the book. Okay. And because I'm, so I'm very aware to, that that's generational. It's like when you talked about your, you know, your great grandmother. You know, think about all the people in your family that have had, you know, 
psychic and unusual experiences in their life, I have a feeling that they keep track of bloodlines, and they're they're trying to purify the bloodlines that they want in order for the hybrids to be who they need to be. That's my that's my knowing about it. Well, that would make sense because when I started writing my book, like I said, that was one thing I really wanted to try to figure out because too many. I think they were taking my mother. You know when her floodlights were coming on. I yeah. wish she was still alive so I could talk to her, you know, about this. But back then, I don't know. We just didn't know what was happening. But for her to call my brother like that and be so scared, I think, you know, I really think there was something going on with her, too. So, so when you go on was, vacations and trips, they'd follow you. Is that right? Yes, wherever I seem to go. <laughs> different things would happen or something paranormal would happen. And I tried to put most of them in there. I also have some really – have you gotten to the part about the dreams in my book? Uh, I have, yeah. I've read – let's see. I I read up to page 144, so let me see where that puts us. Let me see the dream. Yeah, re- yeah, I read about the dreams. Yeah. Okay. Well, I put in there. I I think dreams are so important, and I put in there two types of dreams that I have had that are so different, and that is psychic dreams, and by that I mean I would have dreams and they'd come true. Um, and I yeah, had tell a us number about of- some of those. Those those are very interesting. The the dreams that you would have the, the predictive dreams. Well, a lot of them was with my husband at the time. And, um, oh, one time, well, he worked construction, and I had this dream, and I seen this car flip over. I could smell gasoline as if somebody had a can of gas under my nose. And I could see my husband getting in that, reaching in that car trying to get somebody out, and other people screaming, it's going to blow, it's going to blow, get away from the car. So I told him about it. And I said, it was, and I was scared. I woke up, my heart was racing, you know, I was just really scared. I said, oh, this was a bad dream. And um, so he said, well, you know, he didn't think anything of it. He didn't believe in this kind of stuff. So he... um, I don't know, it was a while, maybe two months, and he came home one day and he said, wow, we had this bad wreck on the job today. He said this car was flying through the construction zone. He said it flipped over. He said there was gas everywhere, and me and another guy pulled the guy in there out. Huh. And he said, he, I said, could you really smell the gas? He said, oh, yeah, I could smell it, Yes. He said, we were really afraid it was going to blow. It never did, though. And um, so, you know, and then another time I told him, I said, um, I had a dream last night, and I, you were in a fight. He was a scrappy little guy. He, I said, you got in a fight with somebody, and I could see blood coming out of your mouth. And um, he just laughed. He come home, I think it was that very night, and said to me, 
oh, my God, you quit having these dreams about me because he said I was just play fighting with this guy. He accidentally slipped and hit me in the mouth, and I had blood running down my mouth just like you said. Wow. But, I mean, there are a lot more in there, too, a lot more in there. And um, then yeah, I talk, talk about, about when you and your mother had the same dream about the gruffy-looking man. Yeah, and my mother, when she got the divorce, couldn't buy the house until she got her settlement from the divorce. So in the meantime, her and my brother rented a house just not too far from me either. And um, I had the dream, and and at first I didn't want to tell my mother because I was afraid it would scare her. But then I finally worked up my nerve, thought maybe I should tell her because it could be a warning, and I really felt like it was. I had this dream, and I saw this guy in her garage, and he was short and very stocky, uh, stubbled face, uh, whiskers, and he was dirty-looking, just kind of grimy-looking guy. And I dreamed my mother opened the door that went out into the garage, and there he stood, and he just started grinning at her, and he had a gold tooth. So I tell my mother about that. She says, oh, my God, I had that very same dream. And I was like, oh, dear, what does that mean for Mother and I to both have? And she described him just like what I had seen. Well, she moved from that house not very long after that, and I think if she hadn't, have, something bad was going to happen to her. Yeah, so I was I was really glad she was able to get out of that house before it happened. Didn't didn't your um, grandmother tell you that uh, that she saw Jesus on a, a lampshade that looked very sad and it was a message for you? What was the message? No, that was my mother. Um, that was your mother. Okay. She she remarried a wonderful man. He he helped me so much throughout my life. I'd known him all my life. After her and my dad got a divorce. Um, my mother and Bill got married, and um, after they'd been married, Mom was really happy for the first time in her life. And I'd say they were married close to 20 years. And he started, um, he had uh, geosophical cancer. And um, we found out that he had cancer, and and it was pretty bad, uh, like stage four. And... um, my mother woke up in the middle of the night, and she saw Jesus on the lampshade next to her bed, and she said Jesus had his eyes down, and he was looking so sad, so, so sad. She says, I know that Bill's going to die, and I know that's why Jesus was looking at me that way. He was telling me it wasn't going to end good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she, mother... My mom had a lot of psychic things, or not a lot, but some psychic things happening to her, too. The other thing I talk about are the repetitive dreams that I've had. So let and me think, ask you about uh, what you're doing now. Are you still working with MUFON and working on the cases? Yes, I am. I um, I am a star team investigator, and I became section director for Kansas City. So, you know, I get the speakers and put on the monthly meetings. And I work with Margie Kay, who's our assistant director. 
uh, state director. So uh, yes, I do. I um, I'm going to write. A, I'm going to write another book, but I've still got a lot of investigations I want to do first. I also, since I can't remember all the details, I I want to have some regression done. And I will probably put all of that into another book and all the latest things that have happened to me. So have you been abducted lately? Yes. just I hadn't been for a while, but just last week I was. I um, have another, another investigator. He's, uh, he is the director for Kansas, and he had had experiences too, and I keep having these knockings on my door all the time, and there's nobody there. And my whole yard is fenced. Uh, it's just really strange, and I can't, I couldn't figure it out. And I was telling him about it, and he said, "You know, Gene, a lot of times the aliens will knock before they take you." I said, "You're kidding." He says, "I'm not kidding. You wait and see." Well, sure enough, I think he's right. I have woke up so many times with so many injuries that when I went to bed, I didn't have them. Um, and I try, I take photos of them. Not all, but I tried to take photos of most of the injuries I wake up with. Like once, I had big bruise all across the back of my knee. Now, how do you bruise the back of your knee that you don't know it? And um, I... Um, had bruise, round bruises on the uh, on my triceps. One, they were even. One on each arm, and about the size of a quarter. And one on my pelvis. I woke up with those three all at once. And I've had, I had several people tell me, like my best friend. I showed him to her. I said, "What do you think this is?" She said, "It looks like somebody was carrying you." And I think that's what it was. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The the other day I heard, I was in bed watching TV, and I've got two little dogs, and they were up there with me, and I heard this loud bam at the door. And sometimes my boyfriend will knock like that if he knows I'm in the back room. And my dog heard it. He, boy, his ears came up. He barked. He jumped down off the bed and ran into the door. So I got up and went in there, and I now have cameras all the way around my house. I just a few months ago put them in, and I looked at the front door on my camera. There was nothing there. I thought, oh, no, I bet they're going to take me. <laughs> so, <laughs> And so I, I went back to bed, and really I never thought any more about it. The next morning, I was getting dressed, and I looked in the mirror, and I had this big red splotch on the right side of my upper chest, just right below the collarbone. And I'd had this before one other time when I knew I'd been abducted, only it was on the other side. I took a photo of it. Have you ever noticed your thumbs? Do you have little red dots on the top of your thumbs? Because usually when they would take me, and bring me back, they'd give me shots in my thumbs so I couldn't remember what just happened. So oh, I, when really? I'd wake up, I would look at my thumbs, and if I had red dots, then I knew that I'd been taken. 
Oh my goodness. No, yeah. uh I I will look for that. However, I did discover I had in my belly button I don't know why I was rubbing my belly button. I guess it was bothering me. And I had a whole bunch of little scabs in my belly button. Little ones. It looked like needles had been stuck in there or something and that it had scabbed over. Yeah, I've had I had that. I had and I took a photo of it. I had red marks around my eye I woke up with, and it looked like I had had an eye clamp on my eye because I had a this red mark right on the inside by my nose and then on the out at the very end of my eye. And like I said, I try to document this stuff as much as I can. I mean, how many times I've woke up and on my pillow I have had, well, I took a photo of it once, I had three spots of blood. I go in the bathroom, I look everywhere on my face and head, there's nothing bleeding. So um, (laughs) I know I've had nose implants, and I've had nosebleeds from them, and one time I could actually feel it like it was, I don't know if it was dissolving or if it was slipping. It felt like it was kind of slipping down. And my nose would bleed. Have you had any of those? Yeah, I, I've even I haven't even had implants that I would sneeze and I'd, they'd blow out my nose. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I've well, had I quite a history had, with all of this. You yeah, know, I, I, know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't understand why they're putting. Are still taking me now because I had a complete hysterectomy at 30, and. Um, I don't think they're taking me quite as often. Well, maybe they're getting you ready for your visitation with with the hybrids. You know, I told you earlier when we talked today that I was told that the hybrids were going to beam down to see their mothers before the big disclosure, before the big announcement happens on the planet, which means they're going to come down with mighty ships and everyone's going to see them all at once, and it's too late for disclosure. But before that happens... The hybrids will be beamed down to see their mothers. Their mothers will be empowered because the mothers then will go into another frequency that has to do with being ambassadors for the truth and what's happening. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I sure hope that's true. I I would love to see my children. So if they're taking you now after you've had a hysterectomy and you know that you're no longer delivering their babies, then the next step would be for you to get ready to meet the hybrids and to work with them. Well, sometimes I've almost wondered if they're not doing healing things on me when they take me. I mean, yes. I, I I see all these marks, I see all these bruises, but one time I read a thing that it really stuck with me. It says, to the kitten, the veterinarian must seem like a horrible person because he's sticking them with needles and he's doing all kinds of bad things to them, hurting them. But in reality... He's doing things to really help them. Right. And so I feel like maybe that's why they're still taking me. Maybe they're monitoring something with me. I don't know what. My blood, something. I don't know. But there's some reason they're still taking me. And have your theory. Heavy assignments ahead to have that probably has a lot to do with what you've written in your book. Well, that could be too. And they're probably getting you ready to write your second book. 
yes. And um, I don't want to say because I'm going to put it in my next book, but uh, I have been being followed a lot, and I've had some very strange things happening to me. And Yeah, I read, been, I was in that chapter when I put the book down about your MUFON investigations and how sometimes the government or different beings of men in black have been kind of circling around and watching what you're doing. For sure, for sure. Um, and, yeah, I've just, I've had some very strange things lately that I know that they're really <sighs> coming down on me Um one of my friends that's an investigator, she said she almost wanted to get out of it because she's been having so much bad luck. A lot of times they'll do things, make somebody in your family ill, make you so ill that you can't do investigate, or it will distract you from the investigations that you're well, doing. Well, they put distractions out there so you can't complete your mission. Exactly, yes. And you and just have yeah. to be real wise to it when it starts happening. Um, you know what I do when it starts happening? I go what? into a really high spin of energy, and I go, "You should have had me when I cared." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you sound like me. I think when you get to be our age, it's just like I'm gonna do it. So that's that. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you had me when I cared. Yeah. Can't have I me like then. That. Can't have me now. That's another thing I say to them. <laughs> Oh, that's so, pretty good. It's about the strength and the power that gives us now to be who we are. So, Gina, yeah. I want you to embrace that you are a goddess, a divine being that's been placed on the planet so that you'll be able to go forth with the information and the and the uh, experiments that have been laid upon you all these years. I think you're going to be able to turn around and make it to something that's going to work for you. Yes, I, I, do, I believe that. That's I think that is true. Um, well, I see what with... time it is, and at this time I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle. She has the switchboard, and maybe some callers would like to call in and talk to you or ask you questions or share something with you. Would you be willing to do that? Yes, I sure okay. would. And you and I will talk later in the week, okay, yes. honey? Thank you yes, so much I'm, for coming on our show. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm 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 watching I'm listening to this and and, and seeing a movie of your life. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, and I didn't even tell half of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's only <laughs> you, I mean in an hour you can't really condense a whole lifetime like that. Not not one that's been as um unusual as yours. So, um we have actually had a caller that has been waiting since the beginning of the show uh very oh my anxious goodness. to talk to you. Yes, okay. so um, her her name is Diane, and I'm going to get that mic open just a second here. Okay, hi, Diane. Welcome to the show. You are on the air with Jean. Hello. Hi, thanks. Thank you. Hi, Levin. Hi, Jean. Uh, uh, hi, Diane. How are you? Great, thanks. Um, I I knew I was just needed to speak to you tonight, so I love that I'm first in queue. And um, I have to say, Lavendar... I just jotted down so many things that you said because they were just just ahas that are exactly what I was thinking of in, in terms of the hybrids and beaming down to see their mothers, getting into the frequency of them to be ambassadors. I love it. So oh, thank I you. Do too. I do too. I pray um, that happens. 
Yes, and it will. It's it's just it rings when something like that rings so true. You know it. You know it's going to happen. Yes. Yes. Um, Jean, I I really connect with you. Um, as soon as I saw that you were going to be on this, I looked up your website. I read your bio. I too work in elementary. Although you're retired, I'm still working with in kindergarten. And um, oh my goodness, God bless you. I did middle school. <laughs> and I think middle school is tough. Well, I subbed in uh, a lot of um, kindergarten classes. They wore me out. I don't know how you. They are. Of course, the and, uh, um, I, yeah, the middle school kids are worse than others ways. Yes. Um, also, just the fact that you, um, your lifetime and your family, me as well. Um, I am just very, very humbled by everybody that I've met this summer through radio shows or a book that is um, giving me a cue that it's time to write my own story. And I, and I feel like there's a safety in, in our age and in, in knowing, you know, our kids have moved on and all yeah. of that meant something, but it isn't done yet. You know, it's like, okay, it's our time to go to work because there's something next that's important that, we have that experience for. So I, I really wanted to thank you for being a model for coming out and writing your book and writing your story and, and giving the rest of us a little push. Well, Diane, I, I really hope you do. It was very therapeutic for me to write the book. I joined yeah. a, an experiencer group, and yeah. the first time I was there, I thought when you, I was the last person to talk, you know, and I thought, I just can't talk about it. I just can't. Right. But I did, and I told them about the babies. But I found it also difficult to talk about. Now I'm better because I've been doing a lot in presenting my book, you know, going around doing presentations and stuff. But um, it was therapeutic in writing it, and it would probably help you. Um, putting it all together, I tried to do it in a chronological order of, you know, when I was born, what happened, like the alien that was looking at me in the crib. Um, right. So, and also to let people know that they're not crazy, you know. Right. This has happened to a lot of other people, not just me. No, you're right. And look at the hundreds, literally, of books that we have bought through our past 25 years because it's not a book you would find in a library. And you would basically read that to know that you were sane and that you could connect with somebody else. And I feel that maybe that's the only reason, if it's the only reason to write a book is so that other people can know, look at it, it's real, you're not crazy, then that's so worth it. Yes, it is. And I do think it's therapeutic in doing it too. It helped me a yeah. lot. And I figured out things. There was one yes, section that's true. That would. where I talk about reprodu- uh, repetitive dreams, and I kept having yes. this dream that I was in a bridge, which makes no mm-hmm. sense, over by my yep. grandmother's house, and I was with mm-hmm. a bunch of people I didn't know, and there were doors at each end of this room, and inside mm-hmm. a bridge. It, well, when I was writing, it came to me just, clear as could be I could see what was happening I was I was in a spaceship and right. there was a group of us people and every time a door would open at one end we would all frantically run to the other end 
because we knew right. one of us was going to be taken out and they were going to do something to us. Then when that right. door would open, we'd all run back to the other end. <laughs> so I could see that just, it just came to me as clear as day. I could, all of a sudden, I could see what was really happening. That's why I, and the fear of not just me, but everybody that was in there. Terrible, yeah. terrible fear. I could pick up on and feel it. And um, so I think when we have repetitive dreams, you need to really pay attention to it. Yeah, They're definitely. trying to tell you something. Yes, definitely. So, again, there was another therapeutic thing that happened to me that I was able to figure out what was had been going on. Yeah. And I, I have had um, a couple of regressions done, but the thing that drives me nuts is that I have so much of my childhood memories lost, and I think it was due to the fact that as I was visited, that would be blocked out along with some other things. So I would love to reclaim that. So I'm going to try some shamanic journeying just to bring back a little bit of that memory. But did you, did you also have the same, a lot of childhood memories lost? Yeah, I did. And my brother helped me through a lot of that in talking yeah. to him because I, when I decided I was going to write my book, my brother mm-hmm. started bringing up things to me. Some of the things, when yeah. he mentioned it, then I'd remember it. But I had forgotten right. it. Yeah, you're right. And I think there's still a lot of some things I don't really remember very well. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that. So you think the uh, the aliens are taking that memory away from us? Oh, no. I think that the experience of that, say, that visit that night, you know, how you're, you're blocked oh, out from I, remembering. Which, Mm-hmm. For some reason, yeah. I would have blocks just taken out. I mean, I was visited so much, I realized in my adult life. But I, I, it's either that or I'm a partial walk-in. I'm trying to put that together. Hmm. Well, <laughs> if you start writing, some of it may come back to you. It sure did for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was nice oh, well, to talk you. to you. Oh, thank you. And I, I hope you buy the book and enjoy it. I just ordered it. I I did the rush delivery so that I could have it by Friday because I'm going to be gone to Cape Cod for two weeks and I wanted to read it. Oh, lucky <laughs> you. I wish I was going. <laughs> well, you have a nice time and thank you, hon. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks for calling, Diane. Oh, sure. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. That was wow. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that was <clears throat> a big motivation with your book is to help other people who yeah. have been through similar things um, and thinking that they're all alone with it. Yes, I, it did. Um, I know I had read a few things that brought me to a lot of the conclusions that I came to. So, yes, mm-hmm. reading what happens, other people's experiences, it all helps. Well, sure. I mean, it's when you see that, you know, things are happening, similar things um, to a lot of people, um, it's, it, it takes a little bit of the, the um, I guess, the fear out of it, but it's, it's not ever going to probably change because of the things of not understanding, especially when you were really, really little. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I actually remember when I was maybe um, four or five years old, I remember being in a ship, and and I was, you know, in my four or five-year-old brain, um, they were they were going to go to Mars, and I was like, well, where's the candy bars? <laughs> That's all I wanted to know is where's the candy bars? Because if we're going to go to Mars, everybody knows that Mars has candy bars. So, oh, that's great. That, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, I love that. That's good. That's and it's yeah, that's typical it. of children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, been board. a lot of experiences, and I've had a lot of paranormal stuff happen too in my life. So, it all, all together, there's a lot of stuff in the book. Gosh, it's almost like um, like you're living in in uh, in two different realities. Yes, and you know, when I wrote the book, I was really worried about what a lot of people were going to think about me. And I thought, they're all going to think I'm crazy. You know, I say I see fairies, I, you know, the Bigfoot stories, all this stuff, cryptic animals, all this stuff I've run into on investigations and UFOs and ETs. And I have been shocked by the number of people then when they find out what my book's about and they read, oh, I've had so many of these things happen to me. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. it's just like I said, I'm not the only person it's happened to for sure. But still, um, you've kind of come out of the closet, so to speak, and yes. and it really paves the way for other people. And um, yeah. I'm going to quote. <clears throat> I'm going to quote another um, one of our um, other radio guests because it stuck with me when she was on the air. She said, "What other people think of me is none of my business." <laughs> I've heard that. Don't you just love that? I do. You know, too. and it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's really true. If people want to judge you, that's going to go on their permanent record, not yours. And and what you're doing, bringing this information out and letting other people know that they're not crazy and, and these things are real, that's such a courageous thing to do and, and such a selfless thing to do. Um, and I, I, I believe that anything that's done in that energy is going to do well for you. Well, thank you. One thing that I, di- I didn't get to tell that I'd kind of like talk about is um, I adopted my son at birth, and... Um, my friend Margie Kay, um, who I work with with Move On, she um, is a psychic and remote viewer, and she has mm-hmm. met my son. And my son is a performer. He sings and writes music, and has been to Nashville and come out with a really great album. And but anyway, she Margie Kay told me one day. She said, "Jean, you do know that Tommy is a star child." And, you know, at first I was just kind of stunned by that, and I had to think about it for a couple of weeks. And when I seen her again, I said, you know what, Margie, you're right. She said, well, that's where he gets all his special talents. And I said, I think the aliens knew what they did to me, because when I tell you there was nothing on earth more important to me than to be a mother, that was the most important thing in my life. And she told me, she said, he had to have a certain mother that could deal with him and uh, his talents 
and the other things that go with being a star child. And she said, you were it. And I said, I think they know, they knew how bad they had messed me up physically that I could never have my own child. And they sent him to me special. And I really do feel that way. Nikita Patello wrote a book, uh, Star Children. And there are a lot of star children out there, and I would say to anybody listening, if you think your child could be a star child, please buy her book. Um, I, I got it. I was very drawn to that book after realizing that Tommy was a star child. And she talks in that book about there's three types of star children. One's an indigo one is a uh, rainbow, and uh, darn, I can't think of the third one right now. But crystal. The indigo. What? Crystal. Yes, crystal. And crystal, rainbow, and indigo. And my son is an indigo. From when I was reading that, I was going, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. That is Tommy. And even to the year he was born, 1970, she listed that a lot of them were that and I know there's probably a lot of people out there that think they have star children or haven't really thought about it I would get that book and read it so yes I I, I think they blessed me with my son he Absolutely. answered all my motherly needs mm. um, <clears throat> as I was listening to your stories um, you talked about the um the grays you know the the big eye um yes. small um ETs and you also talked about the nordics so i kind of was getting the feeling like you have had something to do with um more than one race i think you're right i think the reptilians have taken me too i don't think it was always just one uh race of aliens that was taking me and um, just the thought of them or anything like them just scares the holy hell out of me. I don't know how else to say I have such fear of them that when I read about them, I, I write in part of my book in the back. I talk about some of the, the main ones that we run into most of the time. And as I was researching it and everything, the reptilians seem to be the, you know, the cruelest. So, yes, I think you're right. I think I've been taken by more than one. Well, that's, you must have something really, really special. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> your bloodline. Yeah, maybe. Your, your soul records. Um, I mean, you name it, but um, we have found in in doing the the you know starseed confirmations and lavendar's discovery of star markings, is that um, I'll do a reading for a a parent, and and then it's like oh can you you know I want to see my my you know child's star markings as well. They will be not only um, you know there, but they be the same ones that the parent has. Or family. I mean, Lavender, I mean, you see that all the time, and and, uh, <clears throat> and so do I. I mean, I've done whole families with like three or four kids, and I'm looking, and every one of these kids has 
similar markings indicating, you know, um, a shared um, soul group, if you will. And well, I could that so would I'm, te- I'm telling. I'm just saying this because if, 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 as a parent, if you know that you've got star markings, then um, chances are really, really strong. I'd be surprised if your kids did not have those markings. Mhm. Well, so I, um, yeah, I know my son yeah. is a star child. I really do. I really believe that that is true. Yeah, especially I mean the the music, the art, the you know he's he's probably very um, intuitive and compassionate, and you know those are just common traits. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so I at, I was going to say at this time if um, if anyone else has a a comment or question for for Jean, uh, if you're already on our switchboard, then you just need to press one and let us know you want to come on the air. And if um, you're on the computer listening, then you'll pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292. Excuse me. And then once you get in, press 1 if you um, have a comment or question. And uh, looks like we have, we have one more person on deck here. So um, okay. as soon as, as, soon as uh, Fiona makes sure that their, their question is Appropriate, we will um, bring them on the air. Okay. So um, at this at this time, you're still you're still working actively with Mufon. Yes, I am. I, yes, I love my Mufon. I was so glad that I found Mufon because I I just happened to go to a convention where there were um, on UFOs. And that's when I found out about MUFON, and so I started attending the monthly meetings here in Kansas City, and uh, and I took the test and became an investigator, and then I became the star team investigator, and now I'm section director. I just love MUFON. I love what we do, and uh, we work very hard. We do not get paid, so. Uh, but uh, yes, I love MUFON. I love working my cases. Meet a lot of nice people. Well, and they have a common purpose, searching Definitely. for the truth and 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 understanding, and that's got to be good for everybody, yourself included. Um, well, but you know, Margie Margie has been on our show. Okay. Yes, I I so, figured she had. <laughs> uh huh. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, her and I are good um, friends, and we work very closely together now. And she she's the one that published my book. Oh, cool. So, yeah, and uh, she's helped me a lot to grow and understand and do things. So I owe a lot to her for that. She's well, very our, talented. Our, oh, she's a wonderful person. So our caller is uh, is ready to come on the air now. So okay. you are going to you're going to be talking to Rick, and as soon as I get the mic open here, hi Rick, you are on the air with Jean. Go ahead with your question. Good evening. Jean, this is Rick from Kansas City. Hi. So I, too, have had significant experiences. And this is kind of the first time that I have shared any of this stuff, and it's interesting that it's on a radio show. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> have, you, have you been to the Indian Mound in northeast Kansas City? No, I have not. 
I've heard of them, but I haven't been there. Yeah. It is a pyramid, of course, that has been covered over, and there's some quite extraordinary energy there. Have you been to the um, portal that is in Eastern Independence? Um, I'm not sure where you're talking about. That's hard. Yes, so there's a park in Eastern Independence, Missouri, that is um, just south of, there's a couple of very large middle schools across the street, so it's a, a state park. Um, incredible mound there. I believe it's on 23rd Street. Oh, yeah, I know uh, where you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, so, okay, I haven't been to that park, though, but, yes, I did not know there was a portal there. If you are very sensitive and you uh, walk around in the trails there, it's quite extraordinary, uh, some of the energy that comes up um, and uh, in meditation, um, certain <laughs> folks may show up. The case that I was talking about that I've worked, it's probably the the best case I've ever had. Uh, so much happening. You know, um, do you know where the 291, the Independence Dump, is out there? And oh, yeah. Just, just east of there is where everything, Bigfoot, all kinds of stuff, that, that that's where this lady lived. And the park that's right off of 291, right before you go over the Missouri River? Yes. Uh, what is it? La Panite, I think is the name of it. That will go out there to see UFOs, and because it's so close to this case where I've had all these experiences, and uh, I've even had reports of uh, crypt- cryptid animals out there at that park. Interesting. Interesting. But I was not aware of the portal in Independence. That's not very far from where I live. um, So another experience I've had at Unity, uh, on the uh, grounds of Unity, there's several, there's a a thousand or so acres. And there is a blonde form of Yeti or Sasquatch that I've come into contact with there. And I was there in a meditation and I was wearing a Chara Wright uh, necklace, and uh, there was a group of them that met with me. Um, Now, of course, when we're in a meditation experience, there's significant, um, well, there's just a lot of energy. And what's interesting is that once experiencing these um, wonderful beings, a quite extraordinary energy, they actually went to my teacher and shared with my teacher that indeed he was doing what he said. He was out there in meditation and uh, came across us. So I've had some interesting experiences there in south of the river in Jackson County, um, and you don't have to go anywhere to have pretty fabulous experiences. Well, I did put in my book about the Spiral Church in Independence right off the square there. Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, if you get my book and read about that, it's, it's. I had to put it down as this is hearsay, but that church is so different. It's got that huge spiral on it. And uh, I've been told, and I don't know this for sure if anybody's listening, but there um, are antennas that run all the way through that spiral, and that's why it's a spiral. 
and um, at the very top there's a light that blinks and everything, and they say that yes. it's really a huge antenna to hook up to <clears throat> with the ETs, and that at the bottom of that church, the very bottom floor where the public's not allowed to go, is where the elders of the church works with ETs. Wow. I didn't know that. It, and then uh, one time I was I had a case, and the guy it was weird how the guy wrote this up for MUFON, but he said, I live next to the weird church in Independence. So I had a pretty good idea where he was at. And I went out, and I, or I talked to him, and I, I worked his case. And just out of the blue, he says to me, you know, my neighbor, just right down the street here, him and I was talking, and he said, he told me that out of the storm drains, not the sewer, but the storm drains that are down there. He yeah. has seen these, at night, he sees these very strange creatures come up out of that storm drain. And so I kind of put two and two together. Storm drain, bottom floor of the church, and he's seeing these cryptid animals or creatures or whatever coming out of there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so I... Right. That's right for research, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> and uh, we've been wanting to do that, Margie Kay and I, but we haven't gotten around to it. And uh, we have a lot of reports in independence of UFOs and strange lights that morph and just all kinds of stuff, but just a lot. But that if that was true, and I'm not saying it is because I don't know, I'm saying it's a rumor about the church, but it would sure help to explain why so many strange things are happening around independence. Yes, yes. So finally, uh, fairies. I had an experience east on 50 Highway in a, at a property during one of those lunar eclipses, you know, with the blood moon. Yes, yes. Um, and that was the first time I had experienced um, night fairies, and that was with... Uh, the naked eye. It wasn't the third eye. Um, and once again, it was um, beyond what I uh, have seen or read. Uh, these were much larger than the, you know, the Tinkerbell type. Uh, and then finally, in that same evening, there were um, water spirits on the ponds in the uh, farmland areas that um, showed themselves. Um, oh, and again, my goodness. Quite extraordinary. Oh, I'd love to see that. Why don't you come to some of our MUFON meetings? <laughs> I, I Seriously, you learn it. so much. We have so many. Matter of fact, this next month we're having experiencers speak. Oh, for heaven's sakes. And uh, we'll talk about uh, orbs, maybe. <laughs> One of those meetings. <laughs> yes. That sounds delightful. Well, you really should because, you know, the more I find out, you know, it's one thing working with MUFON and everything is I learn a lot every time, you know. Like I'm going to have four different people speaking uh, about their own personal experiences this month. Um, last We do a lot of Skype with people all over, you know, that write yeah. books. Um, Mike Cleland uh, was our last speaker. Uh, he lives in New York, and I did Skype with him. And he wrote the book, The Messengers. 
uh, I would really recommend that to everyone because it's all about the owls. It was it's a pretty thick book, but it is really good. And I talk about that. I mention that in my book about his book. But um, yeah, you learn a lot at MUFON, and it just keeps you going. It really does. So you should come to to our meetings. So I'll look you up, Jean, and thank you so much. Have a good evening. Well, you too. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Well, we have um, one more caller with a question or comment, and this will be um, the last one we'll be able to take this evening. So um, we, you are going to be talking to Dion. Is it Dion or Dion? It's Dion. Dion. Okay. So uh, go ahead with your question. You're on the air with Jean. Hi, Ariel. Hi, Jean. Hi. So, How Jean, are you? I, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good. Um, I have, throughout the course of my lifetime, known quite a few people who have um, these types of memories, and some of them in working with intuits or healers um, and their own memories determine that they are the um, people that are being experimented on by government, by terrestrial beings, and others feel that they are being experimented on by alien beings. Is there some way to distinguish the difference between the two? Are there certain aspects of it that tell a person which which entities are are interfering with them? I really don't know how because the government is so hush-hush about everything, and you can't believe a lot, a lot of things, you know, hardly anything they tell you anymore. Right. So... I don't know how you would be able to distinguish that. I what never felt it? like it was the government. I felt like it was aliens. Um, so, I, I, you know, all I could do is go by my gut. Um, it's becoming so hard anymore to do our MUFON cases because you have so many government things such um well, they, like I said, they don't want to tell you everything. And, and I know we have flying saucers, you know, that are mm-hmm. government. Uh, a lot of triangles. I saw a triangle myself a few years ago. I don't know whether it was alien or if it was m- one of the governments. Right. Uh, so, you know, there's so many things up in the air now flying around, and people see all these lights, and it, it becomes very difficult. Uh, to say for sure what you're seeing. So it's your your gut intuition that leads you to believe that yours is from alien sources? That's what I feel that mine are. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Now, I do know that the government's watching me all the time, and I've had some really bad experiences lately that I know that I think they've even been in my house. And... Um, so I don't know what's government and and, and what's alien. Okay, uh, and like you. I said, with the way our government is and covering up everything, I don't know how anyone could know for sure. Yeah, but, I agree. You know, I do feel like it's all I can do is go by my gut. Yeah. Um, I thought of one other thing during the break, and that is either you or Lavendar mentioned the knocking before they take you. That's me, yes. Yeah, and I, that's something that I frequently have myself, but I don't have any memory of, of being taken. And 
I, I, I was wondering if you could explain more of what that what that's like. Um, uh, that's one reason up? I want to get regressed because I don't remember the actual thing. I woke up um, one morning and I had scratches like all down my left arm across my um, forearm. And um, I was with some investigators uh, the next night, and I showed it to them, and I said, look at my arm. I said, I woke up this way. Now, how you know, if I'd have done this to myself, I would have been aware that I had scratched myself all up like that. And um, one of the investigators said, what side of the bed do you sleep on? And I said, the left side. And he said, you were throwing your arm up. Those look like defense wounds. And he was right. When I got to looking at him and thinking about it, and then I had set, I had um, a little bookcase sitting along on the wall there um, next to my bed, to the left of my bed, and I had a pill box, a pill thing, you know, that pills come in, plastic pill bottle. And... I was running the vacuum a few days later, and it had it was underneath my bed. I thought, oh, my God, that did get knocked off. So yeah. I think it all happened that same night. So I think they were trying to take me, and I was fighting, and I was throwing my left arm up, and in the struggle, we knocked that pillbox off. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you've got to kind of... Put things together. You yes. will see signs. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing what you've experienced. It helps, you know, helps me to sort out a lot of things as well. So I really appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome, and I hope it did help you. It does. Thank you. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for calling, Dion. You bet. Bye, Ariel. Bye, bye. You know, while you were <clears throat> talking, I was um, thinking about uh, another guest that we had had on our show, and I'm not even sure who it was, but the information stuck with me um, mm-hmm. because she was she was talking about the the government um, impersonating ETs, mm-hmm. and and I don't know if this is if this is true or reliable or 100 percent. But she said, if you say no three times in a row, if it's the ETs, they have to back off. If it's the government, they'll just ignore you. <laughs> and I thought, well, that kind of makes sense. But, um, yeah, if you are going to. Yeah, I think Lavender, was that Judy Carroll? That said I that I can't understand how just saying no three times would stop the aliens if they really wanted you, if they've got you under surveillance for some reason or an implant in you and they want to check it. It just seems hard for me to believe that they're going to stop at three no's. Yeah. And like Lavender, me, do you, I don't do you even remember? know what I'm doing when it happens, so I don't know. Yeah, um, uh, I, I've heard of holograms even that sometimes people think they're seeing spaceships, but it's really the government putting up a hologram. I uh, don't know. Yeah, ultimately, um, your your advice is the is the one to follow. 
follow your gut. Yeah, because that's you will know. You know what? And if you ask your own guides and guardians, if you ask them three times in a row for understanding, um, that's just a, a, a thing that Lavendar has had in her training. Is oh. that um, when you ask three times in a row, it's that 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 third thing that um, it, it takes on another energy. I don't I don't know. I'm not really explaining it all that well, but it seems to no, me that I it was that. What you're saying. Yes. Yeah. But well, I'd like to comment about that if I could. I wish you would. Okay. Well, what I've learned when sometimes when I want direct communication with the ship, I'll say something like, "I want it. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now." And they go, third ring. Oh, you want it now?" <laughs> it's like <laughs> takes three rings to get their attention. <laughs> oh, my goodness. oh, well, that's great. That's. Uh... Good advice to remember. And 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 when you ask for something three times, there's something about a three-time uh, vocal command that puts some kind of mathematical matrix in motion that becomes sacred fire somehow. Oh, really? Well, yeah. That's good to know. If I yeah. can ever realize what's happening to me, I'll try it. Right. Well, even after the fact, if you if you want clarity or understanding, you just ask three times and and you know and then wait and watch. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I I mean that's. You know, Lavender. I think it was Judy Carroll. You know. Yeah, I think you're right. Night. I think Judy Carroll. She I wrote mean, a book called Human by Day, Zeta by Night. Yeah. Human by Day and what? Zeta by night. You really need to get this book. It'll help you a lot. It's Human by Day, Zeta by Night by Judy. Z- Are you saying Zeta? Z E T A. Zeta. Okay. Zeta. The Grays. Z E T A. Zeta. Okay. By night. Yeah, by night. Okay. Yes. She's I in will. Australia. Her name's Judy Carroll. And uh, we we actually had her on the show. You can go back in our archives. I can't remember what year it was, but we have the last seven years, of, you know, saved on oh, uh-huh. talk. Well, and that sounds very interesting. I'll I'll we'll try to get it. Well, let me tell you why I I really want you to get it is because it really explains exactly how the hybrid program works from start to finish. So when she wrote this book, I said to myself, Oh, good. I don't have to write this now. Oh, <laughs> I'll be darned. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, you've written two books, haven't you? Well, yes, little little uh, little books. Uh, my quartz crystal celestial point of view book, and my fifty questions. And then, of course, I have crack between the world story, which I have not put in book form yet or movie form, but it's coming. Great. Great. Well, I need to get those, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a lot to all this. And I've had another thing that I've had trouble with sometimes with the MUFON stuff is telling what's paranormal and what's alien-related. Because so it's often... It's hard to tell. Yes. So often when you get a UFO case, it's also got a lot of paranormal stuff in it. So you have to – one 
that's a good advantage that Margie Kay has because she is a psychic and a remote viewer. And sometimes I'll call her with something and say, what do you think of this? And she'll remote view it. And that really helps a lot. Oh, yeah. To that's get me pretty, going in the right cool. way, yeah. Hmm. So, um, I, but I've been able to tell in my own life what's paranormal and what's alien related. So, Jane, let me ask you: If you know of anyone that goes to MUFON or people that you run into that would like to come on our show, you know, pass them over to us. Okay, I certainly will. I will do that. That's great. Yeah, I love your show. Well, we have. We have a diversified show, but mostly we, we try to talk about the starseed information and aliens and spaceships and Atlantis and Egypt and Peru, and we just go on and on. <laughs> well, Margie Kay is always good to have on because she's got so many stories, and she is a good storyteller. <laughs> so, she, uh, she tells oh, yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah, so in fact, we'd like to have her on again. Her Tell her we'd like to have her come back on. Yeah, she's always got new stuff and, and things happening. She recently just bought the Ginger Rogers home here in Independence, and she's making a museum out of that. Really? And she had a bunch of paranormal people, a group, go through there. And uh, it's haunted for sure. And um, she saw so Ginger Rogers there once. did you meet Craig Cavabasso when he came up to do Stranger at the Pentagon? Did you, Were you part of that group? Um. I saw him speak, but I wasn't, yes, I was still, I was with Margie, but uh, I didn't really have anything to do with that. And she told me a lot so about it. We were really she's supporting been, his movies. Yeah, she's um, in contact with, is it Zor? No. Thor, uh-huh. Yeah, Thor, yeah. And she has a lot of contact with him. So, um, you know, I know about it, but I haven't really done anything with it myself. But I've even got a haunted garden here at home. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> I do. It's just some of the weirdest things that happened out in my garden. Well, I'm looking at the time. We've got four more minutes before we're shut off. So back to you, Ariel. <laughs> okay. Well, Jean, it has just been wonderful to have you on the show, and thank you so much for um, speaking to a few of our audience members. And just before we uh, wrap up here, I just want to point out one more time, your website is jeanjeanmwalker.com, and your book is called Family Secrets, and you can find it on Amazon as well as uh, on the website. So, um, And you're going to be speaking, um, are you going to be speaking somewhere soon? Uh, yes, I'll be speaking at Paracon on August the 5th. Um, that's P-A-R-C-O-N. You can look it up at uh, Paracon, uh, Kansas City, 2017, and um, get the times. But I'll be speaking on the 5th of August there. And then they're going to have a ghost hunt at the end. I'm the only UFO person there. Everybody else is, uh, you know, ghost More paranormal. paranormal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they all like to hear about the aliens when I go and move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'll be speaking there, and um, I'm going to be speaking in Joplin, but I'm not sure. It'll probably be sometime in the fall. So, 
And I just and that'll be up at Lauren's that'll be posted Kansas on your Sunday. website. I know I should post all of it. I don't, but I will. I will on the coming. I think the Paracon is on there. Yeah, I know I saw it someplace. City. Okay. Well, Jean, thank you so much for being with oh, us. Oh, my pleasure. Believe me, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you too. Okay. So um, I hope. <clears throat> With that, I want to thank everyone for listening from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy. Have a great week. We'll be back uh, next week. And until then, remember to count your blessings every day. Live in gratitude. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.